Hey everybody, on this week of Guys Talking Sports, we're going to get into the Andrew Luck retirement story, uh, Zeke, and still his holdout issues. Um, we're also going to talk about Shaq Kobe, the on-again, off-again comments, and whether or not um, Kobe is definitely the belief that the Lakers could have won at least 12 championships. That, a little bit more on this week of Guys Talking Sports. Hey everybody, welcome to another exciting edition of Guys Talking Sports, where it's me, uh, your host for the evening, Earl, um, down with my two boys, or at least one. Um, at the moment, Al will be joining us in the um, second half of the show. So, um, Ace, how are you doing this evening? Man, I'm doing all right. Another hump day, another crazy week of sports. I uh, can't wait to get started. And a few more days closer to your WVU team getting started. And same for Rutgers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys might shock a few people, man. I, I'm 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 cautiously optimistic. <laughs> yeah, it might shock and fire the coach after the first game. They lose to uh. <laughs> I, I was just telling B that. Maybe <laughs> that'd be a wrap for him. <laughs> you ass, man. That's uh, pretty bad. <laughs> uh, so definitely a lot of stuff going on on in sports. Um, U.S. Open is going on currently as we speak. Um, the young 15-year-old Coco Golf won her first match. I watched that last night. I um, don't think she's going to get that far, but she's definitely exciting, and she definitely has a bright future on her. Um, of course, um, preseason about to wrap up with the last final games going on. Um, so it's a, definitely going to be a time for the 55-man um, roster to get um, solidified. And, um, and also, um, in the world of basketball, Kobe made some, if you want to call it, enlightened remarks about Shaq and his unconditioning and what could have been. So uh, we're going to start off with the big thing. And that was Andrew Luck um, coming out and saying that he's going to retire at the age of 29 from basketball. He didn't give a specific reason. He gave a variety of reasons doing that health, health-wise. The love of the game was not in there. Um, he basically just had enough. Um, with all the injuries over the past couple of years, he definitely – um, saw his time not being the same player as he once was. So I think it caught a lot of people off guard. In the last preseason game, a lot of the fans booed him. So, uh, Ace, what are your thoughts about Andrew Luck retiring at the age of 29 and your thoughts about the fans booing once they first heard the information? Well, I got to commend Luck for – coming out and making a, 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 ter a, a terribly difficult decision, especially being as young as he is. But that man took a brutal beating over the years with just all the hits that he took, and he never backed down from the hit. And it just kind of caught up with him. And it was sad that, you know, he was going through that perpetual cycle of injury, rehab, pain, injury, or pain, injury, pain, rehab, injury, pain, rehab for so many years, for the past four years. And it just got to a point where he just couldn't take it anymore. And he really just started to value his, his life and the quality of life, knowing that he's 29. Yeah, he could probably go through this and be a warrior for the next six, seven years. But then... Could he play with his kids when he's 40? 
if he's already complaining about, you know, the aches and pains that he has now at 29. Um, but the whole fact that, you know, he wanted to come out and do a press conference on Sunday and it, the, it got leaked through the media. And while they're actually playing their preseason game, and I guess the fans got wind of it, not really understanding why he was retiring. Um, I thought it was very classless of the, the Colts fans. And I'm even hearing like 100-plus fans, season ticket holders, are demanding their money back. And I think that's really sucky too. But, I mean, I can understand their plight just because if Andrew Luck knew that he was going through this dilemma, this crisis, he could have probably – announced his retirement a lot sooner, possibly right before preseason started or something. You know, it would have been it would have been a shock to the fans, but the fans had a legitimate aspirations of the Colts being one of the best teams in the AFC. So them being disappointed was acceptable, but you don't believe that. The man brought uh, uh, great toughness, brought some wins to that city after Peyton left, and brought some really exciting football. So, unfortunate that his career had to end the way it did. Uh, I hope if he's citing that's injuries and all that good stuff and he's going to be retired, just stay retired. Don't do the uh, Brett Favre, retire, unretire, retire, unretire. Just if you're going to do it, do it. Uh, he comes from a great lineage of family, so money is not going to be an issue with, you know, with him. So, He's not going to have to play the game because he's broke. He's smart. He graduated from Stanford with, a, I think, is architectural engineering. So he has something he can fall back on. So, you know, he's he shouldn't have any issues. But I do I kind of I do applaud him for making a, ter- a difficult decision and standing by his merits and doing what he thought was best for himself. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, for me, it's it's it was it was shocking, but I think it was a lot more to that injury, which which turned off to be a ankle injury than a leg injury, or than something else other to the fact that might put him out maybe up until middle of preseason. Then it was maybe he'll be back for the first game. Then it was like a month, maybe two of rehab, and I think that overall the stuff that he's um, been dealing over the years, and he's had a litany of injuries over the years. And the way he explained it, it was just, you know, the injury, the rehab, the coming back, and then another injury, rehab, coming back. And I'm pretty sure that when he came into the offseason, was, he was ready to go. And when he got into the preseason, he was probably ready to go. And then when you find out that it was a ankle injury first, maybe a calf injury, there turned out to be something more, something more. And then once they really told you what it was and how many, how long it was going to take, maybe two months of rehab just to get back to where you were to go out there and then you could possibly risk another injury again. And he said that, you know, the joy was out of it. You know, he just couldn't mentally, you know, and physically put himself through that again. I mean, and as you can probably attest to this a little bit better than me because, you know, you didn't play football before. Those, you know, you get banged up on, on Friday, Friday afternoons or Saturday afternoons you got to turn around and come out there, you know, the next day and try to walk and go back in there. I mean, you could tell it. That's a grind. And a lot of people don't understand the kind of physical 
toll this takes on a person's body. Look at Grok. He retired at age 29. Mm-hmm. He actually said he's healthy now and could and still play when he made one of his um, – uh, when he had his interview for the company he was um, um, co-sponsoring, he said he could physically play now, but mentally he's not there. And it's just that after a while, it's just a physical and a mental, you know, drain on you to have to go through another injury, you know, to have to go through more rehab just to come back to play, maybe get injured again. I mean, last year was the, probably the first year he was probably played clean in probably three to four years. So I know the way that it came out was bad. Somebody leaked that out and whoever leaked that out in the Colts organization, you know, shame on them. Um, the fans also, I, I think that was, I understand their reaction, but would have been better if he would have played in one regular season preseason game like Cam in, Cam Newton got hurt. Then he said, oh, he's out for the whole season. Would that guy make you feel any better than the following season? He says, I'm retiring. Would that make the fans feel any better if he just, got hurt in practice, blew out his ACL, and then couldn't play the entire season, and then decided to come back next year and says, I can't do it. I mean, I understand why some people were probably initially upset, and that was their first reaction, but I think that once he explained it, you got an idea, because none of us know what those guys go through on a daily basis playing at that high level at any sport, especially football. Well, look, I can tell you from, from, from personal experience getting playing, and I didn't play college ball, playing high school ball and a kickoff return team. And the kickoff was kicked short. And I just knew I was going to be that dude returning that ball back. And I went to go pick up the ball, and a brother got blasted. Dude, I don't know, I don't know where the ball went. I went to go pick it up. I stood up to start to go run. All I knew is the ball went back this way. My body went flying that way. My knees were up in the air. It's like two or three guys landed on my knee. And I ended up having a torn cartilage. Had to get an uh, MRI. Got torn cartilage. But you know, it's 17, 18 years old. It don't hurt like that. So the trainer was like, okay, we could put a brace on you. Because you can still play. You're not, not, you're injured. You're not hurt. Uh, so, but we don't want to put a brace on your knee because if we put a brace on your knee, the other team will know and they'll start going after your knee. So I played more than half the season with a busted knee. Needless to say now, I got bone on bone when it comes to that my, with my knee because I have no cartilage in my right knee. Oof. So if the weather changes, if I'm just sitting in the wrong, if I'm just sitting wrong, I'm laying in bed, my knee just aches. It aches bad. So trust me, I know what Andrew, no, I don't know what Andrew Luck is going through as far as pain is concerned. But I can only imagine how he feels when he can't sleep at night because his his body hurts or his body aches. So I can agree with him on that. My knee hurts every day. <laughs> every day. <laughs> because I have no cartilage in my knee. You still can't hear him. <laughs> Sorry. Um, everybody want to introduce Al. He's um, actually in. 
for the little bit of the first half segment, going into the second half segment. Um, so, Al, you've been listening to what we've been talking about, um, Andrew Luck, the retirement, and the fans' um, reaction thereof. Um, what was your opinion when you heard about Andrew Luck's retirement and the reaction of the fans at that preseason game? Um, first off, whoever leaked that information – well, regardless of the fact, somebody dropped that ball on that. Like, literally, for that to be leaked out during the game, uh, you know, I thought that was just – I mean, I get it. It's all part of the business. Let's, you know what? I don't even know to go there. Let's start with this. Andrew Luck, kudos to him for stepping up when he felt as though that he just didn't have that love for the game. That's just number one. He's played a certain amount of years. He just not have that love for the game. For that, if he feels though he doesn't have that love for the game anymore like he used to and with all the injuries that he had and everything, he just felt as though that it's time to call it quits. Kudos to him. But I agree. Um, I hope it doesn't be like another Brett Favre thing. Going, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I thought that was just – I'm not even going to get into that Brett Favre situation. But okay. – Kudos to him because right now the way that this league is and, you know, the way that injuries play a part with all this that's going on, I felt as though that if he feels though the time was right to let it go, to call it quits, I'm all for it. Um, I think he's done I, – I, 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 he put the effort in to say at least I tried. And if it's just not right for me. It's not right for me. I wanted to get that out the way. So kudos to Andrew Luck. Um, I feel as though, you know, good luck going forward. Um, I feel as though that, you know, he was a good quarterback, but with all the injuries being plagued to him and everything like that, he couldn't get the, the career off the way that he wanted to. And I completely respect that. And I completely respect him bowing out when other people some who may not who may be in a far worse situation wouldn't step out. Um, he's living for his family. Honestly, I can respect that as well. You know, he's doing for him, and he wants whatever – he feels as though that this is the best way to go about it. So I think with all that being said, I think kudos to Andrew Luck. The fans, though, I, I – like, I think that was the one thing that really, like, kind of ticked me off more. And I agree that, you know, assumptions aside, you don't know the situation at hand, but to boot a man – going off the field like that, the way that everything just came about it. Saw social media with people burning his jersey and stuff like that, not knowing the full situation. Like, to me, it kind of felt like a selfish reaction. Like, you know, I get it. You know, your fans, you diehard Colts fans, you know, rooting you want the best for your team and everything, and to see this come suddenly, I get the initial reaction, but – you got to think bigger than that. And I just felt as though that Colts fans should have known better that, you know, out of all respect, if he has to retire, if he wants to retire, it has to be a reasoning behind it. Like, you can't boo a person or be upset with somebody when he put his family first than you guys. It's just like a selfish reaction. I felt as though that the Colts fans or whoever was booing him or whoever – I saw social media. Some people was getting on him about, you know, about his injuries and stuff like that. It shows that they care more about the football itself instead of the actual person. And to be honest, it kind of made me more of the reason to be agree with why Andrew Luck was retiring to begin with. He just doesn't have the love for the football, you know, for football anymore. And I would rather have someone go out 
and say, you know, and, and respectfully say, I don't have this love for the game anymore. Then to have someone there that you got, you know, that fans are rooting for and just stay there because of the money situation, not for the actual love of the game. So I kind of felt that Colts fans would took it way too personal, way over the line with some of that. And, not even hearing the reasoning behind. Like, they was booing him before Andrew Luck even gave the press conference. Oh, yeah. That was just like, like, stop assuming things. And I felt as though that once you hear how, what Andrew Luck has to say, then come up with, make up your mind if that's how you want to, if that's how you feel. But I just felt as though that Colts fans jumped the gun and I think it was a bad like. And I'm pretty sure that Colts, I mean, like, TJ Hilton and all of them that are friends with Andrew Luck, I'm pretty sure that they felt some type of way in, in hearing all this once the game was over. So, like, fans got to be careful. Like, all jokes aside, and stop assuming so much. Yeah, I think, I think they found when Andrew Luck told Jacoby Brissett on the sideline he was going to retire. <laughs> At least they're speculating as that that was when they, you know, he told him. So, you know... <laughs> Trust me, they say he mulled over that for weeks. And that is a difficult decision to make. And, you know, fans can be very terribly in, uh, be terribly insensitive when it comes to things like this. Because if it were them, how would they want, you know, how would you feel if you were out there giving your all and sacrificing your body to the point where you just can't do it anymore? And even though you're still young and you still think you can give to the game, you know, you gave all you could and you need to retire and somebody would boo you, how would you feel? You know, I understand that it's the fan who sits there and spends 125, 150 or whatever per, per, per home game to be a season ticket holder. But until you're out there getting your body banged on for however many months out of a year, you know, respect the man's decision. Yeah, I um, I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of people probably would have hoped and wished that this something that would have occurred in the offseason. Um, but you, you can't – did we know about this injury in the offseason? I mean, he was coming – he was just coming back from an injury last season, played pretty good. Um, this ankle, calf, whatever the injury was, came in right around training camp or, you know, right before the actual preseason game. So – I mean, once you find out that now I have to go through this all again, I have to go through, you know, another surgery, weeks of rehab, get back in the football shape, get back there out in the field. This could be in the middle of the season, then get out there. I'm maybe at 100%. I'm going to push myself to get out there as quickly as I possibly can. I might be 80%, maybe even 75%. But I want to be out there with the team. I play and I overcompensate, injure something else. Now I got to go back out for the rest of the season. Maybe have another season off, and all that weighs on you. And um, you know, once you people just step back from the initial reaction of, "Oh, I paid my season ticket price; he's not playing," or "Oh, I just picked him from a fancy football league; he's not going to play." So, I mean, yeah, those are the selfish reactions that people will get. But hopefully, everyone that booed once they take a step back and look at the broader picture hopefully get where he's coming from he's just like at a certain point like you said Ace is just do I want to go through it again I just the love is not there to put myself through another 
grind of rehab, retraining, getting out there, all in the case that this may or may not occur to me next season because, which I haven't gotten to, the coach did him a great disservice by not putting the offensive line around him to be able to protect him. And he was getting rocked the first, I think, with the first four seasons, he was mm-hmm. a hundred times. Yep. That's ridiculous. But and I, I give the man some, I give the man a kudos because he didn't shy away from the from the hits. He took the hits, took it like a man, and got up and carried on to the next play. But I'm surprised he didn't have more concussions than what he had. <laughs> the coach, they didn't, they did him a disservice, and he darn sure did Peyton Manning a disservice. I mean, Peyton Manning, you know, let's call a spade a spade. He went to the Denver Broncos with a, with a broke neck. True. Where did he get there from? Not Denver. <laughs> but I will give Indianapolis management and owner some kudos by by allowing him to keep his signing bonus. You know, I guess that shows some gratitude to him and the beating that he took. I guess they recognize that we finally went out there and got you a line that you could be proud of, and you can't be there to reap the benefits of a, of a great offensive line due to all of the amount of uh, – hits and stuff that you took over the years. So because you walked away, I'm going to go ahead and let you keep that 24, 24 point something million that was owed back and carry on, you know what I mean? But I guess – That's the least they can do. I was about to say, you took the words right out of my mouth. That's the least you can do. But then I guess they look at it as also, we're going to go ahead and pay you, but if you decide to get that love back, you're coming back to us. <laughs> we own you. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, then I can see them saying, oh, you're coming back and you want to play fool, not us? <laughs> Give us back our money. We want, we want that money back. <laughs> Give me my money? <laughs> yeah, man, so uh, it's, it, was, it was a nice gesture, but I'm sure that that was the underlying tone to it. It's Jim Mercy, so you take everything he does with a grain of salt. <laughs> a little grain of salt. <laughs> uh, so, I, so now we'll switch to another person who's still awaiting his money, um, Zeke um, Ezekiel Elliott. Still no contract, still not signed with the Cowboys. He's still in Cabo training with Marshall Falk. Um, so, guys, as you know, the first game of the season is up in a week. What ten days? I think it is from actual from tomorrow. Huh? Actual kickoff is next Thursday. Yes, next Thursday. Mm-hmm. Is it? Yes, it is. Yeah, Thursday before the regular season. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Dallas Cowboys plays the New York Football Giants in the first game. <laughs> As of right now, and I'll, and to my opinion, I believe he'll come back for the for the New York Giants. Do you guys believe that he will be signed or he will not be signed by game one? I, I think I – think, personally, I'll think he'll miss the first four games. I can see that. But in lieu of what Earl just said, it'll be his luck that he signs tomorrow and be ready for week one against the Giants. I can see Earl's thinking wheels turning when I'm saying this, though. I'd be very annoyed. They'll probably run for a, a, a buck 20 and two, and two TDs right in Jerry World. <laughs> uh, well, my thing is I think I heard Jerry Jones. Uh, 
I think I heard Jerry Jones say something like, you know, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And that even if he were to miss the first couple games, that they're more concerned about him come playoff time. So it's almost like, why don't you go ahead and miss the four games? We'll go ahead and get you the concert, the, the, the contract that you're looking for. But then you'll be nice and well-rested. So by the time the playoffs come and you have two or three more additional games, your body be just like it's you're doing a regular season. And he won't have any uh, any breakdowns, uh, hopefully. And he'll just go ahead and just kind of just treat it like a regular season not where the playoffs are involved. That's the way I think that Jerry Jones is looking at it because he thinks he has the best team in the NFC East. He very well might. <laughs> I have to agree with that. Um, <laughs> it's funny because with all this going on, all this – this craziness, and you're right, he could miss the next four games, and probably still would be talking about the Dallas Cowboys still in the hunt for the playoffs, and it's all about low management now for the running back, so I could see that actually being in a play, in play, and the contract is definitely going to be his for the taking. I think Jerry Jones is going to eventually give in. I think Ezekiel Elliott is going to come back, be more amped up whenever he does game five or six. It doesn't matter at this stage. And Dallas Bacaba still going to be in a hunt for the playoffs for the NFC, and probably for the NFC title as well. East, I should say, NFC East title. You know, I initially thought that he probably wouldn't be back for at least maybe the first two games. But when you look at it, those first two games are divisional playoff games. And the last thing I think the Cowboys want if your intention is to not only just win the division, but, you know, win the NFC, you know, the NFC, period, um, is that you can't drop two division games. And those two division games are number one and number two. Um, should they be able to beat the Giants and the Redskins without Ezekiel? They should. But I'm not totally sold that they'll go 2-0. They could go one and one, but I'm not totally sure that they go two and zero. Oh. The last thing he wants is to go zero oh and two. If if Zeke doesn't play those first two games and they lose both those games, then all of the um, leverage is going to swing back to Zeke. And just like when Jerry Jones was crawling back to Emmitt Smith all them years ago, he's going to go crawling back to Ezekiel Elliott. He's going to have to give him his money, especially if they go zero oh and two. And their golden boy, Dak Prescott, don't look good. But doesn't it kind of reminds reminds us of on um, the same issue that the Pittsburgh Steelers have with Le'Veon? Yeah, James Conner came out there and wrecked shot. That's and that's the key. If Tony Pollard comes out, in my opinion, and does he doesn't have to do Ezekiel Elliott numbers. He just has to be an efficient running back and allows the Dallas Cowboys to play their game. And if they win and they go 2-0 with Tony Pollard, maybe getting 100, maybe not even 100, maybe they split a little bit of time. But if he looks serviceable and they're 2-0, then, yeah, you can see the Cowboys really playing chicken with Zeke. Hold on. What was the court? Who was the running back that, the, that Dallas had that they ended up trading to the Eagles? Marco Murray. Yeah. yeah. And that joker was a beast for the Cowboys. It just goes to show 
Didn't have that line with the Eagles, though. Exactly. <laughs> as long as the Dallas O-line is healthy and up to where it was when Zeke was running, uh, running shop, you don't got to be the best runner in the world, but with holes like that, it's hard to hard not to be great. <laughs> and to be honest, that's one of the reasons why I, I mean, I get it that they still. I, I I'm, I'm kind of leery the fact that Dallas would actually sign them still because of that, because of what they did with Demarco Murray. I mean, like they really didn't have. I'm. I'm 50-50 on this, bottom line. Like, I, I feel as though this can go either way. And I agree with you. Like, it all depends on if they win games. If they win games, I could literally see them, be like, I could see this being another Pittsburgh Steelers move. But they're like, yo, do we really need you at this stage? You know? Yeah, I think, at least with DeMarco Murray, I think they, 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 they traded him. Um, but I think what allowed him to be easier with the trade was that they still had Tony Romo, who was still at that time, you know, his issues and all, was still a much – a highly touted QB, I guess you want to call it that, uh, where Dak is good, but he's not slinging it and chucking it down the field. And you don't got Des Bryant – well, now they got Amari Cooper, but at the time, he's not chucking it down the field like Tony Romo is. So they were probably thinking that we can get another running back um, – to kind of play the role just to keep Tony Romo, you know, upright. But now it's a little bit flip where you have Dak Prescott. And he hasn't necessarily proven to the masses yet that he's like that kind of quarterback, the elite quarterback. So now they're kind of like, eh, well, they're kind of waffling a little bit. But if they had a, an elite quarterback back there, I could see them really not caring for Zeke too much. But – Oh, wow. Okay. Um, what's the quarterback's name again? Damn. Okay. <laughs> See? There you go. <laughs> Dak. Uh, shoot. That, uh, Dak. Yes, Dak. There we go. <laughs> Dak has a secret weapon back, though. I don't know how effective he'll be. That, that was the security blanket his first two seasons. Oh, Jason Witt. Yeah. So I'm sure they're not going to ask Jason Witten to do a whole hell of a lot downfield, but he's going to be that dude to come in there and get you those five to seven yard clip passes that he's going to sit there, he's going to catch, he's going to get some yards after the catch, and that's going to be the Achilles heel because everybody knows Jason Witten's on the field, but for whatever reason, he is just sneaky fast. Like He looks slow as molasses, but yet he always gets open. And I think that's what's going to put Dak in a really good predicament as far as his passing numbers are going to go up because he's going to have a solid tight end that he could throw to. And then that's going to make things a little bit easier on, on Cooper and other wide receivers because uh, Witten is going to be a force. I, I truly think that Jason Witten is going to have a pretty good year. I'm not going to say he's going to lead all tight ends, but I think he's going to catch somewhere between 40 and 60 balls. It's more balanced with Jason Witten because mm-hmm. it, it just seems that, you know, the trust issues wasn't there previous to pre, you know, before, I mean, before Jason Witten came back. So I think that now that he's there, I think that it just balanced everything out and we'll see how effective they'll be on the offensive side of things. Right. Well, it works well with that. Check down deck. <laughs> and he ain't checking down the field. He's giving his, he going his check downs and he's doing this little dink, dink and dunk, uh, dink and dunk deck. 
And you got to remember, he still he had some wheels, so he could take off and run with it a little bit too. That is true. Uh, so we could talk about the NFL forever, but we want to switch on to some old or new business, if you want to call it. Um, recently in the interview, Kobe, Jellybean Bryant, was asked um, how many championships – no, excuse me, let me rephrase that. He asked – he was asked if Shaquille O'Neal had his same kind of work ethic, you know, how would he be ranked? And Kobe Bryant said if he had the same work ethic, he would be, quote, unquote, the GOAT, the man, the best player of all time in the NBA. Um, some people were taking offense to this um, about Kobe after all these years saying that, you know, his worth ethic wasn't enough and that he was, quote, unquote, could be interpreted as being lazy, which is why he didn't, you know, win as many titles as they should have. And Kobe said that they could have won 12. Probably over-exaggerating, but, you know, the comments were that Kobe Bryant says that, if Shaq had his work ethic, um, he'd have been the greatest of all time, and they could have won, you know, up to 12 championships. Um, what do you guys think of those comments by Kobe Bryant? Do you think they were out of bounds, or do you think he was telling the God on his truth? I don't think it. I, I don't think they had won 12. But I think. I think they could have won six. <laughs> They won three in a row easily. <laughs> I mean, and back then the East was kind of down, you know. But um, I'm just trying to think in that era, who was their competition? Houston? Uh, no? Um, Spurs. 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 Um, Sacramento. Probably. Oh, oh Chris Weber. Queens, as, as they called them. <laughs> So the Spurs, really the the Spurs on the West Coast, and back then that's when the the, meet, the Nets were the Nets were pretty damn dope back then. <laughs> they were good. They weren't good enough to beat. <laughs> yeah. well, nobody was good enough to beat the Lakers back then. But you, you got to give props to the Nets. They were Kmart, J Kid, uh, Richard Jefferson, uh, Vince Carter. Was Vince Carter? He came after the fact. Oh, God, if he was there. Geez. They might have had a shot. <laughs> but, now nah, I could have seen them 1-6. Now, I don't know if they're the 1-6 in a row. But, but you know, just like any dynasty, um, and I guess it's easy to sit there and talk about it, but not too many players that have a mentality like a Kobe or a Mike. Um, so it's hard for players to sit there and try to get to their level. So I could see them getting – I could see Shaq getting bored after they won their third and then they're going for their fourth. And just like how Golden State, they know they were good. They didn't really care so much if they lost games during the regular season because they just knew they'd turn it on, turn it on in the playoffs and just kind of do what they do. And I think that's what would have been the case for L.A. And with Kobe's uh, – Kobe's, uh, I guess, his mentality as far as just hate losing – I don't know. I, I don't think that they could have stayed together that long anyway. So six might have been a possibility, but I don't see 12 because Shaq is his own man too. You know, back then, ain't too many people would mess with him. So I guess, you know, their, their mentality is just way too different. Two opposite ends of the spectrum. So, you know, uh, Shaq was the, 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 the jokester, the, the play around dude, and Kobe was always that, that you know, Kobe. <laughs> so 
the two well they played well on the court, but their their attitudes and their their personalities was just too different. Yeah, nah, you you basically hit the the nail on it. On the, you basically is on point with what you just said. Um, it's two different personalities, and you know, like you have to understand, like Kobe would stay focused on basketball and everything. Shaq got to LA, even though he was a bas- NBA player, you know, he still had the rapping, he had like the commercials, he had the movies going on. He was truly living it up in LA like a bona fide star, which he was in his own right. Um, so, but I agree, the mentality factor was just wasn't, you know, he was, Shaq was never on Kobe's menta- uh, mentality when it comes to basketball, like eat, train, sleep, dine, you know, no matter what, it's all basketball. Um, so I, I get why Kobe said it, may not agree with it, may, may not agree with it. That's one thing, but I get why Kobe said it because he believes that everybody should have that, his mentality. Um, and not everybody's like that. And he has to accept the fact that not everybody's the same way as, should they be the same way as he was when he was playing the game? His focus was just eat, sleep, basketball. I mean, let's be honest, he copied that from Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. So you know, everybody is not has that same mentality to win at all costs or win, you know, every game or, you know, it's not not everybody has that. And to be I completely agree that that was a definite factor when it comes to Kobe and Shaq being possibly one of the greatest duels of all time. Um, but there's legitimate argument because they just couldn't get along. And even now with everything going on, with Kobe saying what he said, Shaq had to retaliate with what he said. And now it's like back and forth. And then Kobe had to, you know, put the fire out, so to speak. It, it just never worked out. And that's the difference between the two. I mean, they're just two different personalities. And unfortunately, you know, it, it, it just didn't work out. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with you guys. I mean, um, maybe six. Pr- probably should have won at, at, at the very least, probably four in, in a row. Mm-hmm. Should have had that Detroit series. <laughs> no, it, that, was, really, that, was a, that was a flawed team going into that finals. Yeah, uh, they was really on point. They could have had that Detroit series. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if he was, quote-unquote, you know, had the same kind of work ethic and regiment that um, that Kobe Bryant had, then he wouldn't need Gary Payton and or Carl Malone on the team to begin with. That's why I said putting them on the team, it was wrecked by the time they got to the finals. Um, excuse me, a flawed team by the time they got to the finals. Um, but, yeah, everything that Kobe said, he's, you know, we all heard that he said to his face. Um, yes. Yeah. And he knows. I mean, maybe he could have said it a little bit better, possibly, you know. But he was asked a, a straightforward question, and he gave a straightforward answer. I mean, to him, it's like, well, I've been said this to Shaq before, you know, in his face before, you know. So what's different now? You know, he's not going to really mince words because that's really not him. Right. He's just going to say it. Um, but the one thing I, I, I can say is, you know, if Shaq would have had that same worth ethic and he'd have been the GOAT, then the Black Mamba would have never been who he was because he would have always had to acquiesce to Shaq because he'd have been the man. It wouldn't have allowed you that space to grow into the player, you know, that killer assassin 
which you turned into being because all those fourth quarters and those games when Colton Check had to sit on the bench, you were the one out there winning those um, those games. Um, even that last, you know, final, Shaq got the MVP. But trust me, in those fourth quarters, it was Kobe that was carrying the load in those in those last crucial moments. So um, I would have loved to have seen it because I thought, you know, Shaq was just unstoppable. Nobody could do anything with him. You put him in this NBA game right now, nobody still couldn't do anything with him. I mean, yeah, you would have had the big men now that like to play, you know, centers that are like, you know, point forwards or whatever that like to – you know, stretch him out, but on defense, nobody could have stopped that man. And um, I would have loved to see what he could have been. But like you said, Shaq was life of the party. He was, you know, he didn't have that laser sense focus on basketball like a Kobe Bryant or Jordan has. You know, he was he had other interests. Yeah. Like a LeBron James does, which is why I think LeBron James is never going to be considered that. He's always going to be considered good, but he's never going to be considered that killer like Mike and Kobe because he was never laser focused on. He could talk a good game about he is, but he never really was. Uh, I, I don't think. Uh, I don't think LeBron is going to win a championship in LA. Because it's unlike unlike with Cleveland and unlike uh, Miami, you know, if he had aspirations to be that director and that that guy that wants to be involved in Hollywood and things of that nature, those are things that he had to kind of either do during the off season, well, pretty much during the off season, because I couldn't see him really trying to focus and be out in L.A during in between games while being in Cleveland and Miami. He might he might have been able to do a little something in Miami, but not much. He damn sure couldn't do anything in Cleveland. But in LA, I mean everything is just right there at his fingertips. So if he goes home, he could stop by and swing by some director's house or he could swing by the or he could do whatever. So even though of course he's gonna say his number one priority is basketball, his mind is focused on the, that barbershop thing that he does some production that he's working on or something. You know, he's, he's not going to be conflicted, but he's not going to give 110% like he was in, say, Cleveland or Miami as far as the, the focus on basketball, at least in my opinion. Technically, he didn't do that last season. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's a given. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I, I think it's a shame. No, I, I, no, I take that back. I don't think it's a shame. It's just the nature of the basketball world. Now, a lot of people got to the point where, you know what, I've done everything that I wanted to do. Um, there's other avenues nowadays that I want us to pursue. Um, thing is that you really don't have, I mean, of course, LA is the, and New York is probably the two most um, marketable places that you can go. Um, especially for like, you know, getting your acting career on the run and doing all these other things, you know, but let's be honest, like that's essential nowadays and everybody could do it no matter where they are, um, no matter what NBA city that they play in. Um, you got people doing that now in Texas and in, you know, other avenues, like the only places that you really don't see anything. And to be honest, I don't really know, but you know, you got like Portland and smaller market cities, but 
they're starting to grow now and eventually they're going to have their own avenue comes to doing other things outside of NBA. And you're starting to see players do it um, where they don't even have to be in a particular city. They could do it online. So with so much that's going on, I think that, I think that what it is is that the way things are in LA doesn't always have to be guaranteed to be done in LA. And the problem is, is that with, so much focus on other avenues, they lose the sight of what got them there to begin with, which is actually playing basketball. And that's the difference between some of the players now that some players still looking to chase the championship first rather than getting the shoe endorsements and, you know, all these commercials coming towards them. And it's, it's just a part of an NBA career for the most part. So it all depends on what your mentality is. It all depends on where your focus is. Um, if your focus is on strictly winning championships, being the greatest of all time, you'll have that. And then there's some people that will start to focus that way, but then they tend to, to veer off into other avenues. And it's, it's okay, too. It's just having the right mesh of players doing it. Yeah, and I guess at the end of the day, you know, you know, don't take it back, you know, it's, it's, it's what kind of focus that you have. I mean, Shaq could have been, you know, the, you know, greatest player of his era. Could be the greatest player of a couple of eras um, if he had that laser focus mentality on it. But like you said, it's other interests that, you know, he had and that wasn't his thing. And, you know, he was still a great player, in my opinion. If you're going to talk about the top five players, in my opinion, Shaq is is up in that five. If you don't say his name up in that five, then he, I don't know what to say. It, they got a statue of dude. <laughs> I mean, <Yeah>. like, <laughs> they got a statue built in L.A. Yes. <laughs> and there's only a few people that got a statue built in L.A. And, and, and Magic is the other person. <laughs> Kobe don't got one yet? Soon, but not yet. It's just, it's just magic. I think um, Kareem and uh, and Shaq. Shaq. Kobe, uh, Kobe will probably get his in in you know in another couple of years. You know, you, you if Shaq were really that dude that was trying to become laser focused, I think that he would have improved his free throws. And probably, probably would have tried to develop uh, mid-range J to kind of add to his repertoire as he got older. Uh, just because when he couldn't really bully people down in the blocks anymore, because other players are starting to come in bigger and stronger, as strong as Shaq, maybe not as big as Shaq, but, you know, strong as Shaq, and he couldn't just – Bull rush the uh, the rim like he was when he was in his younger years. I think that would have put him and probably propelled him to probably be the one of the greatest of all times if he could have improved his free throw shooting and developed some sort of mid range J. Because honestly, when it comes to centers, you know Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, you know, uh, comes to mind. But why Patrick Ewing doesn't really come into that? to that list in the top five is because Pat just never got a ring. But you couldn't tell me that Pat wasn't one of the smoothest mid-range, long-range J-taking dude that you could think of and still could bully you underneath the ring at the same time. You know, but Pat doesn't get into that conversation because, you know, you got 
Shaq, Akeem, Wilt, uh, Kareem, <laughs> and and Pat just kind of gets lost in that. So if to me, Shaq would be the ultimate number one dude if he'd have just, I don't know, just kind of hung with Kobe for just a couple of months and say, man, just try to learn to hit a J. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Like, because Kobe was like, yo, you need to do something outside of that. And Shaq was like, <laughs> he's like, well, if you pass me the ball, you know what I'm saying? I can, you know, it, it, it was just like salt. It's like oil and vinegar at that stage. You know, it, it just didn't mix. It mixed at the right time. But overall, it was just, you could see that it was twindling down. I mean, who comes up with, you know, at the end of the, the whole situation where the person gets traded, you know, you end up going back and forth on social media, you know, someone comes out with a diss rap on you, still to this day, it's still the funniest of them all. Um, I mean, it's just, it, it was just bananas. It was, it, it was bananas. Um, that Kobe diss is still, uh, that Kobe diss track was just crazy. <laughs> As they say, all one under the bridge now. They both got <laughs> love for each other, Kuliya moments, and, you know, they want to keep that. What was in the past? In the past. <laughs> yeah. uh, real quick, before um, the six, uh, actually there are six statues at the Staples Center. Um, Shaquille O'Neal, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, Jay West, Chick Hearn, and Elgin Baylor. Oh, how can you forget the great Jerry West? The logo. Hey. WVU, baby. <laughs> actually, I think the, hey. <laughs> Actually, I think if Jerry West should probably go down as the greatest NBA person, period, from player to ex executive. Yes. Mm -hmm. Not yeah. just a player, not just NBA person, period. Yeah. No, he – I mean, out of all of – out of everybody, he still deserves to keep that logo. Then that, that he – there's nobody changing that logo with any other player. Like, he deserves to stay there for a long, long time. That logo should not change with nope. him being the silhouette. He he helped build the Lakers, you know, with Kobe and Shaq. He helped put down the building blocks and foundations for the Golden State Warriors, and we saw what happened to them. He's, mm -hmm. he's done it. He's Memphis. He's doing it right now in the Clippers, you know. Yep. So, yes, everybody talk, why it has to be a logo, look at the man's track record, and that's why he's the logo. <laughs> Uh, but real quick, um, as I mentioned earlier, the U.S. Open um, is currently underway. Um, and the young, I want to say phenom, but the young girl catching all the attention is um, one Coco Golf from out of Florida. Uh, she won her first U.S. Open match um, yesterday at the age of 15. Um, I actually watched that match. And in the beginning, she looked like she was a little nervous, a little shaky. Um, but she did, you know, bounce back and was able to win the um, win in three in, and able to win the match in three sets. Um, I can't say for certain she's going to go on to win the U.S. Open because I definitely can see there are still some areas in the game that needs improvement. But I'm not sure if you guys have followed the U.S. Open. I want to give her some props. But what do you have? You guys been following the U.S. Open in, in really, um, or even kind of took notice of this girl since Wimbledon? <laughs> I have not watched any U.S. Open, but I am aware that she is currently participating in the U.S. Open, and she hasn't lost yet. 
There's that much I could tell you. Venus lost though, but she has not lost. Um, and she beat Venus in Wimbledon. Right. Just to throw that out there. Right. So I'm uh, I'm I'm going to be keeping my eye, you know, kind of posted to the the boards just to see how she kind of um, how she works, you know, works things out in the U.S. Open. I don't think she's going to win, but uh, she's going to be the she's going to take the torch from Serena at some point. And she's going to carry on that uh that legacy of uh, a person of color reigning terror over uh, uh, professional women's tennis. <laughs> well, before you jump that gun, I do want to see her Coco go against Naomi Osaka. I would love to see that be a rival in the future of a future. Um, but I do agree. I haven't really paid attention, but I have seen um, the highlights and I really am intrigued because you can tell that she is definitely going to be a, a person, a star in the making. Mm-hmm. Um, her time may not be now, but it's definitely going to be in the future if she continues to progress the way she is progressing. And I, I'm very curious to see what will happen um, two years down the road when, or a year from now, uh, how she would fare up against um, Serena. Um, but I do see, I would love to see her first with Naomi going back and forth. Um, I think that could be a rival, an interesting rival for the future. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I didn't know much about her until Wimbledon. And then I, you know, once I heard that this young 15 year old girl had, you know, really, I think everyone took notice when she beat Venus. And I think that kind of raised a couple of eyebrows, then she won her next match after that and raised a few more eyebrows, and then she won the next match after that and got pretty darn deep. And then everybody, you know, in Wimbledon was like, oh, well, you know, who is this, you know, the young black girl from Florida? Um, So, you know, and now she's in the U.S. Open, and she she definitely has a lot of eyes looking at her. I found out that she signed to Roger Federer's um, management group or a management group that he owns or kind of has some stock in. So I'm, I'm pretty sure she'll probably get some good tips from Roger Federer and who's, who, who's worse not to get some good tips from, you know, the man himself. But um, I agree. I think she she's not there yet. Um, from what I saw, she definitely, like I said, has some areas of the game which she needs to improve on. Um, but yeah, she's, she's only 15 and, you know, with, you know, more experience, she's going to get better. You know, she definitely could be, you know, if her game trends upwards, she definitely would be a force to be reckoned with. Could she be that person to possibly, you know, carry on that torch from Serena as a, as possible a woman of color to dominate the sport? Remains to be seen. I mean, there are Stevens out there, another woman of color who's out there. Mm-hmm. There's also another um, female um, tennis player who named Skates Me at the moment. Um, they really were trying to push Naomi Osaka out there, but I think she wasn't ready for the bright lights and all the trappings and all the attention that came with it. She seems much more of a reserved kind of girl. So, and We'll see. I mean, you know, we'll see how far she gets. Um, you know, I only think maybe, you know, good signs and that she definitely has a bright future moving ahead. So we'll definitely we'll see. Right. Although I'm not a Roger, uh, 
I'm glad that she signed with that management group to get her going, but not really a Roger Federer fan. Um, so that's just, you know, my opinion. Um, hope that she would have signed someplace else. Um, but that's just me. Right, 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 nation sports. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, why not at this stage? You know, we, we got we to gotta support each other. So I would have preferred that. <laughs> I would have been cool with that. So you would prefer, or, or maybe she sided with, uh, with the, the Williams sisters and their management staff? Well, I don't know who really manages them, but. The daddy. <laughs> Why do you think he still manages them like that anymore? I, yeah, I thought he still does. I thought he did. Uh, could be. We have to, you know, check that, you know, get a statistician to check that. But I believe he's been non-managing them gals for quite some time now. Yeah, I thought so too. He got his share. He's like, I'm out. <laughs> All them tennis clubs paid off, baby. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, um, we're at the end of our time for this weekend. So uh, let everybody know where they can find you at. Find me on Twitter, uh, CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. You can find me in my bed sleeping the next 15 minutes. But otherwise, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, I am Al Qualls. Twitter and Instagram, I am Al Qualls. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and the gram, J.E. Ross, the number seven at. And as always, we want to thank everybody for tuning in, for subscribing. As always, we're on all of the, um, you know, all the areas. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple iTunes. We're on YouTube. So uh, wherever you can find us, that's where we're at. You know, please, you know, feedback and comments are always, you know, are always looked forward to and needed. Um, any topics that you want us to discuss, you know, please let us know and feel free to, you know, you know, to give us some things to do. We would like to do one of these days, a kind of a, um, a fan friendly kind of, uh, I guess, um, podcast, but we're discussing the topics that you guys want to hear. So just let us know. And as always, thanks for listening out. We appreciate that. And as always, love, peace, and soul. <laughs> we didn't plan that, by the way.